brought to you by RunToGold.com, the premier source for monetary science applied to geopolitical, international, and economic financial news and events. Welcome back to episode 36 of the RunToGold.com podcast. This is an interview I had with Michael Dresser on Dresser After Dark, which airs in over 30 uh, states and internationally as well. The interview took place on May 20th. Enjoy. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ray Dresser. You are listening to Dresser After Dark. Trace Mayer with us. He's the author of The Great Credit Contraction. He's an entrepreneur, an investor, a journalist, and a monetary scientist. Holds a degree in accounting from Brigham Young University, a law degree from California Western School of Law. And let's say, Trace, hi, welcome to the show. Oh, hello, Michael. Thanks. And by the way, thank you so much for being here. When we talk about the great credit contraction and we talk about the economy in and of itself, like all fields, whatever it is, there's fundamental laws that take place. There are, there are certain things, rules to go by. And if you stay within the rules, for the most part, you stay on track and, and things are okay. Now, when we are dealing with the economy, we're dealing with money, are there, fun, are there fundamental economic laws? Well, of course there are. We, we have... And we've, we've learned these laws through millennia of experience as human beings. And two of our great monetary scientists, one of them was Copernicus, and the other was Isaac Newton. And both of those were also very accomplished uh, physical scientists. And just like we have the law of gravity uh, in the physical world, we also have uh, the, these laws of gravity in the economic world. And they're, they're really pretty basic, uh, and people can get a grasp on them pretty easily, but uh, for one reason or another, they're not taught uh, really anywhere, and so a lot of people are just ignorant of them. And so when the apple falls, a lot of our, a lot of our quote-unquote experts uh, say it should float up into the air instead of hit the ground because they teach political dogma instead of economics. Okay, but they, the, when we talk about political dogma, obviously that is running rampant, especially in the last couple of the three years. But the real question is, is do the people that have the power today in the, in the United States, do they have any concept, do they have any grasp of the economy and what it should be doing? Well, I think uh, I think that they uh, well, they're they're either completely ignorant of these basic economic laws, or worse, they're using these economic laws to intentionally damage the economy and hurt the American people. And so, uh, they're either they're either ignorant or they're complicit. And uh, I don't know which which stance I want to take on that. But uh, either way, they're causing tremendous damage to the wealth of the American people into our country and to our nation as a whole. Let me tell you what scares me, and, I, and, I, and when I say scare, I, I truly mean scare. Whether you, know, you like Obama or don't like Obama, I've been watching very closely to what he's been doing. And my concern is if it's, if it's unintentional and he really doesn't have the experience, that's one thing. But if what he's doing is intentional, that happens to be very scary. Right. But, you know, even even if it is unintentional, well, you don't go to a brain surgeon that, that hasn't even gone to school. I mean, that would be gross negligence on the part of the brain surgeon. He shouldn't even be taking patients if he's not competent. And so, unfortunately, we've got a lot of these uh, 
experts or advisors to the president that are just not competent. And so they shouldn't even be seeking the positions that they have. Okay, well, let me ask you this question. I think it's an important question. It really begs to be asked. When we are looking at the, 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 the economics of the world today, the economics of our country today, and I want to go back to that disaster that we had the bank with the banks and the real estate market that really started this. There was a lot of platform banking. There was a lot of sales of property that were bundled up and then resold and resold. I mean, I don't want to belabor the story. We all know what happened. And in the end result, they were sold. And the true value was just a minor percentage of what they were sold for, and then the world fell apart. Is there, it, Going back to this, if somebody would have had the guts to say, no, this is wrong, or let's forecast on this, we wouldn't have been in this problem. But they didn't. And where do you think, why do you think they didn't do this? Where do you think this problem lies? Well, really, the, you know, it all has to do with the monetary system that we use in the United States. And the monetary system that we use is in uh, fundamental opposition to the United States Constitution. But the monetary system that we have, it benefits certain parties tremendously, and it uh, does so at the expense of other parties. And so the reason that we have a lot of this stuff going on is because it's really profitable. You know, people can make a lot of money doing it. They can make a lot of money ripping off people's entire uh, retirement plans and, and destroying companies. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of money to be made, and that's why, that's why people are doing it. We got a lot of these bankers on Wall Street, and, you know, they like driving their Maseratis and having their houses and their yachts, and they don't really care. Uh, about the people that they damage. No, and this is one of the things they don't understand. You know, we gave, what, $9 billion to GM. They wasted it. Now they're going bankrupt. And it's very interesting because the CEO of GM is right now building a $15 million piece of property. And so it's, yeah. it, it, what, I don't understand what goes on here. Do they think that they're completely above it or that the basic pop, the general population is too stupid to realize what's going on here? I mean, it is. It's completely absurd, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they're completely incompetent. They run something into the ground. So we go and steal money from the productive members of society to throw it in the money hole and then light it on fire. I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. Okay, okay. let me ask you a question. Whether it be Republican or Democrat, it really doesn't, at this stage of the game, I don't even think anybody knows what they are. Do you think that there's got to be, and when I say the word corrupt, corrupt isn't anybody who steals. Corrupt means it's broken, the system. Is the system so corrupt that we need a brand new kind of a party that will overcome all of the challenges and roadblocks that the other two parties have put us into? Well, the thing is is that we don't have a two-party system. No. Uh, We have Wall Street candidate A and we have Wall Street candidate B. But at the end of the day, both are Hamiltonians. And uh, we don't have the Jeffersonians uh, represented anymore. I think uh, there might be one, can- one person in Congress, maybe Congressman Ron Paul, uh, but, you know, it's, it's 434 Hamiltonians against one Jeffersonian. So to say that we have a two-party system, uh, we don't. We, we have two wings on the same bird. Uh, that's flying to uh, a unified destination. Well, I saw this put very interestingly. If you took a linear line, and that linear line on one side of the coin, you would put uh, uh, you would put communism, and then the other side of the coin, you would put uh, 
um, what's the word I want to use? That's eh, getting late at night for me. Uh, the, the, give me, give me a uh, communist anarchy. Anarchy. <laughs> okay. Life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anarchy. Okay. So you'd put anarchy. Anarchy. So you got government control on one side. You got anarchy on the other side. So you would think with the parties that they would move back and forth, and you know, either way to which other, whichever is the strongest to run a government. But that's not what it is. They're both doing the same thing, and it's a vertical line up and down that moves back and forth across that line that they move towards anarchy or communism. So the key here is you've got both parties doing the exact same thing. It's not a two-party system anymore. Well, right, and, and and close to that anarchy line, we had the Articles of Confederation, and a little bit more to the left, we have uh, the United States Constitution, but, you know, none of our politicians have any respect for the Constitution, nor do the judges, uh, as we saw during uh, Franklin Roosevelt's tenure, the, he threatened to pack the court, and so they voted, they voted his way, and so now we, we're clear over, we're miles away uh, over towards the communism side, and we've got the Republicans, uh, and then a little bit more to the left, we have the Democrats, uh, but they're really, you know, very far to the other side. They're both very pro-federal uh, government, but who needs Washington? I mean, all Washington does is screw stuff up. Uh, we might as well just get rid of them. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyways, that's, that's kind of where we're at. We've got this... Uh, figurehead of two-party system, but really it's just a, a one-party system, and it's nowhere Absolutely. near what the Founding Fathers uh, envisioned. No, and take a look at what's going on now. The, you know, you've got the government owning the, you know, the major auto industries. You've got the government starting trying to own health care, the government owning this, the government owning that. And if you take a look at the history of Hitler and what happened in Germany right before the Second World War, up to the Second World War, you see a very close correlation of what occurred. Well, yeah, and it was actually the 1923, the, the Weimar Republic, you had the Reichmark uh, that hyperinflated. Yeah. And Hitler, Hitler started campaigning, and he said, oh, I'll promise every single woman a husband. And he promised a boatload of stuff to the German people, so they elected him. In 1933, they, got, uh, they had the Reichstag fire decree because they burned the Reichstag uh, down, which sure. was kind of their parliament, and then they got rid of habeas corpus, and that in 1933 yeah. in the in the in the fire decree act, and so we've seen this same uh, sort of uh, transition here in America because under the Military Commissions Act, uh, Bush tried to get rid of habeas corpus, but the Supreme Court actually struck that down, which yeah. was a which was a good thing. I guess they're not all completely uh, out in the weeds all the time, so. Uh, we're we're luckily not moving quite as fast as uh, Germany did, but yeah, we're 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 on that general path. Absolutely, a, look at look if, at you had Hitler, if, you had you you had you had Hugo Chavez did the exact exact same thing, promise, 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 and now you've got Barack Obama, promise, 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 and I would venture to guess that most people had no concept of what he was talking about, but they took away what they wanted to hear out of it, and now all of a sudden he's got the party upset at him because he's backing off on some of the things he said, and he's moving more towards the right. And uh, politically, it's going to be very interesting to see what goes on in the next six months or so. Right, and, and especially, you know, it all comes down to uh, the Federal Reserve note that we use as the world reserve currency. If we have a currency crisis like Germany did, then, you know, they're, 
there's no prom, you know, he can't deliver on any promises. And actually, if we have a currency crisis like that, well, inflation leads to shortages, and shortages lead to rationing. Okay, but let, let's, take so, it, you know, let's take it a it step farther. It's really bad. Let's take it a step farther. During the Second World War, one of the things that the Germans did not have was a sense of identity. You know what the country was like. You know the chaos that was going on, the financial condition of the country. He came in and he promised and he promised and he promised. If you take a look at what's going on today, we're getting promised and promised and promised, and we're going to get an identity. There is a Supreme Court judge that may get in. She's Hispanic. Nothing wrong with that. She's a woman. There's nothing wrong with that. She's gay. There's nothing wrong with that. But the point of contention is what I'm hearing is she looks more like a, more like an American. So we are getting a complete new identification of what an American looks like. So now we are going towards a new identity to anchor to. That's what Hitler did. That's what Chavez did. Yeah, and, and you know, that's what governments like to do. They like to uh, create some type of an identity, and then they want to create some type of a problem, uh, a, a, an identity on a group that's a problem, and then they want to declare war and go kill that that person or that group that they've identified as the quote-unquote enemy, all in an effort to distract away from the fundamental problems uh, that they have in their monetary systems. That's what Germany did, you know. Oh, we, we have hyperinflation. Well, we need to go fight a war with Russia, and then we need to go and take over the rest of Europe. And so really, uh, war was just a distraction. But it did help one thing. Uh, it helped the unemployment rate. Oh, sure. Because... Because they hire they hire the unemployed to go kill the other unemployed. So, uh, unfortunately, the politicians are quite incentivized uh, to engage in war and to uh, just continue looting and killing. But they're, they're at least good at something. So. Well, it's it's money, and that's really what it boils down to. When it really boils down to, it's money, it's dollars, and it's that's exactly what the motivating force is. I think there's that old adage, when you're up to your rear end in alligators, sometimes you forget why you came in to drain the swamp. They get off purpose. (laughs) Trace, we're we're starting to run out of time. Let me ask you this. Is there there a a website we can find you at? Oh, yes. My my website's real easy to remember. It's called runtogold.com. So you just run to the gold to be safe. And, what, and there I talk. I apply a lot of this monetary science to current events. Wonderful. And by the way, where do we buy the book? Uh, it, you can find it there on the website. I've got banners on there. If you can't find it there, then the book's probably not for you. <laughs> okay. Hey, Trace Mayer, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm Michael Ray Dresser, and you are listening to Dresser After Dark. You've been listening to the RunToGold.com podcast, the premier source for applied monetary science on the web.